Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the coach, Harvey Hyde. We didn't get to hear from him uh, last week after USC lost to Utah, 43-42 in Salt Lake City. And we had a bye week this past week, but we wanted to catch up with the coach and kind of get his thoughts at, you know, a little past the halfway point of the football season, USC sitting at 6-1. and one. With some very winnable games coming up on the schedule, heading into the rivalry games at the end of the year between you know, USC and UCLA and USC and Notre Dame. There's some news around the Pac-12, George Klyovkov talking about uh, UCLA and potentially not leaving for the Big Ten Conference and all that. So we're going to get to all that kind of stuff with the coach. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we would appreciate it. You can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We'd be happy to read your email on the show. And if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. We've got a voicemail to play for you a little bit later on. 424-254-9141 is the number. Send us a text or leave us a voicemail. We'd be happy to play it for you, like I said. And the Apple Podcasting app, if you have that, please leave us a five-star rating and follow the Parastyle Podcast. It does help to grow the show. Those five-star ratings uh, kind of spread it out to uh, other listeners. And, you know, you got you're going to the office and you have some USC coworker friends or just some people in the neighborhood, anyone you know that likes USC football, let them know about the show. We do appreciate that. The word of mouth is an awesome way for us to grow. And we've been doing this since 2008, growing the show. And it's been a pleasure to keep chatting with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. Coach, how you doing today, sir? But it couldn't be better. Had a bye week. It didn't make any difference. We hit hard. We hit all week. We did everything necessary to get better. That's all we care about is getting every way and every little way. We try to get better and better. And that's what I've been doing. I know that's what you've been doing. Hope all of our friends out there have been enjoying the bye week. And, of course, you're coming off of a real tight recovery period for the Utah uh, loss, but uh, it's not the end of it all. It's just the start of a new. Yeah, start of a new, uh, a new, I don't know, like a new phase of USC football under the Lincoln and Riley era, the first loss, first bye. You know, we'll hear, we see what's going on. First trip out there to Arizona. That's what's coming up next. And uh, just to let people know, so Chris Trevino and I, we're, uh, we're not going to do our normal show this week. So this is sort of kind of replacing that or, or putting that together. Chris and I did a show last week, heading into the bye week, and then Coach Harvey Hyde and I are doing a show this week. We will have our preview Tunnel Vision show on Thursday night. So it will be in a podcast form, but also live on YouTube and Twitter. 
You can go watch that live if you'd like. Uh, Thursday night at 7 p.m., go to uscfootball.com. For more information, we'll preview USC uh, and Arizona. So we'll have that show coming up. And, and Chris Trevino just recorded a podcast with Gerard Martinez. So that the two-star recruiting podcast that they do that's been very popular, that is already up this week in your feed. So if you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, you're like, hey, where's that recruiting podcast? should be in your feed already. So make sure you check it out. And also want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. have been great to us. Over the years, I always love going, especially this time of year, go over to TraderJoe's.com. They got some great ideas uh, for different things you can buy. Of course, tailgating. You go over, you know, go over the one over at USC at the University Village. Man, that's an amazing Trader Joe's. Packed all the time. Tons of people in there. Um, you know, you can always see people coming in there, especially you know, before a game, if you want to buy some stuff for, uh, you know, for any of your tailgating needs. I love getting little recipe ideas. Right now they're doing um, puff pastry recipes so those that thin pastries that you can puff up a little bit they got a couple of uh ideas on there cocoa stuffed snowflakes and also ricotta and pesto tear and shares that look that's a great looking appetizer but go over churjos.com lots of great ideas over there all right coach when to get into stuff we're going to kind of give a you know a not just past the halfway point mark of the season but there's been some kind of newsy stuff around the pack 12 i wanted to get to and uh, we're not going to talk about basketball, but packs of basketball media days were going on. George Klyovkov, uh, there was a story, I believe it was in the New York Times, and uh, a letter that he had written to the UC Board of Regents, essentially asking them to block UCLA's move to the Big Ten. Of course, USC and UCLA are going to go to the Big Ten together in 2024. The Big Ten, the news came out this week that they're not going to scrap their divisions and change their schedules until USC and UCLA enter. But George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, was trying to uh, block that. And he asked the Board of Regents, and the the letter that he submitted to the Board of Regents uh, was leaked. He had mentioned that at uh, his opening statements at Pac-12 Media Day, said that the letter was at the request of the Board of Regents. Um, and he had some interesting things to say. I want to, I'll get your thoughts on all of it, Coach, but... He sort of doubled down. One of the things he said that UCLA's numbers wouldn't be as good if they went to. So he was basically saying the whole reason to go to the Big Ten is to make more money. And he's saying UCLA would not make more money, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But he's kind of doubling down on that. And he said the quote, the small delta in media rights deal will be more than offset, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, He's. I think he's kind of touting what their the Pac-12 media rights deal is going to be, and he said it's going to close the gap. I just don't see it closing much between the uh, Big Ten and the SEC, but that's sort of like what Klyovkov, uh is talking about. And he also thought, you know, he talked about UCLA thinking it's better off. He said, um, you know, that they were going to close the gap on the media rights deal, uh, but also was talking about that you're going to have a lot more travel and you have to spend more on coaches and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, they're still talking about expansion and everything, but I don't know. Overall, just, I thought the comments were kind of interesting um, that, that George Klyovkov made coach. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on all of that. Well, uh, let me put it this way. George is trying to save the PAC 12 and he'll probably go to any means he can because the PAC 12 is not around. He might be out of a job, but he'll make a lot of money doing nothing. But uh, I think that's probably what he's doing is writing a letter to the regents to block that because then he's using the, the tone that if Cal doesn't go, 
UCLA shouldn't go. Now, if they allow Cal to go, then UCLA will go and they'll lose another member. So uh, I'm not sure if the Big Ten would want Cal. I don't think they bring much to the table. They don't fill their stadiums. They're not a big television popular uh, show. So uh, I think he's trying to keep UCLA as far as being able to raise the value of the Pac-12. And if he loses Pac-12, uh, uses uh, loses uh, UCLA to the Pac-12, then obviously that's going to cut down the revenues. <clears throat> I would uh, <clears throat> tend to believe that going to the Big Ten will bring more revenue. I think the travel will be more. Uh, there's no question about that, but I think there'll be a way of working it out where they'll have a lot of West Coast double uh, weekends uh, tournaments and play where some of the Olympic sports will stay in one location for a couple of days and get two game or two uh, schools done, uh, like in one weekend uh, at UCLA and USC, vice versa. And, and the same thing, if they go back, to, uh, they'll play Ohio State and Michigan the same time they're back there, whatever that's, whatever the program might be, and take the academic people with them. And so much teaching today is done on remote, <clears throat> direct study and Zoom, that I don't think it'll hurt their academic progress so i think george is george k is doing what he's got to do try to keep the pac-12 together and he's fighting for it i don't think uh you know i know that if i'm ucla i'm probably not too happy about that and if uh, he blocked us i would probably be a little bit upset as far as being in a conference with him and i'd probably be up to uh, trying to remove him as soon as i could uh i mean i'm just saying if you're vindictive but uh, I don't know what to believe on that. I don't think he knows what to believe on that. I don't think anybody knows what to believe on that. It's all rumors. So, you know, as far as that's concerned, I, I don't know. I don't know anything concrete about anything. All I know, before it's all said and done, I think it's going to be SC and UCLA, Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten, okay? I think it's going to be Oregon State, Washington State, to the Mountain West Conference. I think it's going to be Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, the Big 12. And I think that's what it's going to be. I just think it's going to be that. I just think it's headed that way. And the Mountain West Conference can be called the Mountain West Conference or the Pac-12 in San Diego State. And also Fresno State will probably be given an invitation. Really, to be honest with you, I think UNLV, if they were to step up, they'd have a chance of getting in because of their location. And George Bean from Las Vegas could make it very attractive to have UNLV and Las Vegas as far as the new conference, Pac-12, because they have all their championship games and their tournaments there and everything anyway. So I don't know. I would say if I was going to make a prediction, that's what I'm going to say is going to be the final vote. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so we'll see where this sort of goes from here. I don't think, I mean, nothing I've heard would block UCLA from going. I don't think there's anything that's going to stop USC from going. So for the USC fans listening on this podcast, USC will still go. Obviously, it's better to have a partner, uh, a travel partner going, but I, I think this is more um, posturing than anything. I just don't think that's going to be a, uh, a a big block. Um, also want to just quick, uh, give some updates on injuries to USC players. Like the last time you saw the Trojans in action, uh, Jordan Addison, um, you know, went down and didn't return to the game. Uh, also Eric Gentry, uh, the, the linebacker for USC and, 
and Randall Goforth banged up his hand, I believe it was. Um, we're not really getting much from, you know, we're not they're allowed to report anything that we see at practice, and we're not hearing much from uh, Lincoln Riley on injuries outside of guys being um, day-to-day, and aren't we all day-to-day, Coach? But, uh, you know, this is, like I mentioned at the top of the show, at Arizona, you know, a team that it's, can score, uh, doesn't have a lot of defense. Um, you know, Colorado, uh, ca- in, you know, California and Colorado, the next two games, I mean, Cal lost to Colorado, which was like the worst team we've seen in a long time. And then Colorado, like the worst team we've seen in a long time. So, you know, it's not a murderer's row coming up over the next three games at Arizona being the toughest of the two or of the three. Um, any concerns you would say coach with, you know, basically one of, you know, one of your stars on offense, one of your stars on defense and another one, you know, you're pretty thin at linebacker at times, uh, you know, rather than go forth some potential there, any concerns going into these games? And do you think this is a situation where if they're close, you might just rest these guys because you want to save them for like a UCLA game or something like that? Well, it depends what they're, how healthy they are. If they're ready to go, they're going to play, but they're going to want to play. And I'm going to need them to play. Probably if I was going to rest anybody, I'd rest a receiver because, yeah, I've got receivers. As far as linebackers are concerned, I really don't have a bunch of linebackers that I think can play and have the speed and the, the length and the coverage ability of, of Gentry. So if he's got, if he's ready to go, I'd play him. He's got to go. He's got to go. If someone else, if he can't go, someone else has got to step up and, and, and fill his shoes and get it done. That's what football is all about. And, and uh, if you have to dip into your your depth, you've got other guys that are five-star players that really haven't stepped on the field. Let them prove they are a five-star player. And I'd ask him to prove it to me. Maybe we've been playing the wrong guy. Maybe you ought to show us uh, we were wrong. Maybe you are the starter. And I'll let these guys step up there and get it done. And uh, I don't know if they hand... Uh, cast or whatever on Lee is off or not, uh, but uh, I know that that's very difficult to do and to play that way when you you run off balance and you you can't use the right hand. It's more or less like a club and it gets in the way. I've seen players just reach down and tear them off during a game before, and you probably have too. But it's just been in the way and you can't play football. So, you know, injuries are going to be part of the game. They're always part of the game and you got to step up and someone's got to take those players' places and you know, coming off of a loss, you know, sometime you're going to lose a football game, okay? You're not going to go on forever. It's how you react after you lose a football game that counts. What type of football team are we? If we take care of our destiny and take care of what we have to do, that's all we have to worry about. Let's don't worry about what UCLA is doing or Oregon's doing or Utah's doing. Let's just take care of what we're doing, and then we'll be all right if we continue to play and win. So I think that that's what you have to look at. And he's not going to tell you if they're going to be ready to play or not. You're going to be in the press box looking down there and saying, he's dressed. He's ready to play. Or are you going to say, he didn't make the trip. Or are you going to say, whatever. So uh, And you'll be the first one to tweet it out and let people know exactly what's going on. And that's what you're there to do for all your service people that belong to USCfootball.com. So if he's there, he's there. He's ready to play. If he's not, if he's a step slow and can't play, you're better off not to play him. But you'll injure him, injure him, and he won't be full speed. And I'll tell you, against Arizona, they can score. So you better have people that's out there that can, can score. They're going to be a tough team to slow down. They've got they throw the ball around a lot. They got a little bit of a running game, and the defensive side of the football's got to really have to 
uh, step it up. They're going to have to step it up, and uh, they don't want to get in a scoring race with them. So it's going to be a very interesting football game. But if my ex is bigger than your old, and my kids come, and I'm doing the right job of coaching, and I'm coming off a bye week, and I'm upset because I lost a football game, and I'm taking care of our own destiny ourselves, I'm going to be ready to play, and I'm going to find a way to win this football game. I'm going to find a way to win this football game at Arizona. Yeah. No, 100%, Coach. I think they're – Definitely going to do that. Um, that's uh, just kind of what you're looking for this team to bounce back. You know they had a bad taste in their mouth after the Utah game, and you feel like they're going to play well when they go to Tucson. So we'll see uh, kind of what they do. Also, before we get into the question, just kind of get your thoughts. You know, 6-1 and one start. You know, USC's bowl eligible. Uh, controlling their own destiny. I know there's some weird scenarios and stuff out there, but if USC wins out, they'll be in the Pac-12 championship game. Um I don't think there's a question about that. There's just one of those things where you got to go out, win your games, you know, and USC has the one loss, uh, you know, at Utah. We've seen some teams in the Pac-12 go on the road and, you know, UCLA was a juggernaut when we've seen them at home and then going on the road just for Colorado and they get beat up pretty bad when they go to Eugene. Um, you know, no one else has, has won in Corvallis, like USC went and won a close game. Um, we'll see, you know, Utah's got a tough road one. They got to go to Oregon. and But, you know, no one's gone into Utah and won. And uh, USC came really close to doing that. I, You know, overall, Coach, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on where this USC team is. Um, like we mentioned, you know, not so difficult of a schedule coming up. And then UCLA and, and Notre Dame to, to finish off the season. But just, you know, kind of get your – your midseason grades, I guess, or just you know thoughts on what you've liked, what you haven't liked. Any any thoughts on USC, you know, coming out of their bye week? Well, I think they hurt a lot coming home on the plane. I think it, it bothered them a lot losing. You lost a lot of your eager. You didn't want to go to class on Monday, okay? Uh, you were prancing around pretty good, uh, being ranked pretty high, and you sort of humbled you. And if it didn't humble you or hurt you, then you're on a winner, okay? Now, I hate to say this, but you learn more by losing than winning. You take winning for granted sometimes, and you don't know what it feels like to lose until you lose. So if you don't like that feeling, then you better get yourself ready to go, because people are watching to see just what type of team you are. And at the halfway point, I would think that uh, what the record is, I don't know how many people we all knew it was going to be a difficult game up in Salt Lake City. We knew that Utah had everybody coming back almost from the Rose Bowl team last year and their conference championship team. And I think they went up there and they played a hell of a game. They came up short. They, they didn't uh, play good enough defense. Obviously, they scored on offense, and they weren't ready for the two-point play. They caught them napping and didn't get their alignment right and so on. And uh, they beat USC. Now, how does USC react to that? Okay, let's find out. That's going to happen on Saturday. The first half, I've never seen a halftime score in the newspaper, okay? So I, I won't say what the score is going to be or how I think they played halfway through. They lost a the game. They're going to lose a game sometime. But this game, by losing this game, is going to see what type of football team you are. It's the final game and the final results of the season. That will be in the newspaper. That will count the most. So as you said, they've got Arizona State. They've got Arizona. They've got Colorado. They got UCLA, and don't get me wrong, I think Notre Dame's a good football program, but they certainly aren't 
the type of football play- program that I don't think USC can beat. At the start of the season, I said Utah, Notre Dame would be the teams they had to struggle with. They struggled with Utah at Utah, but Notre Dame's in the Coliseum, and if you can't beat Notre Dame the way they're playing currently right now, then uh, you probably don't deserve to go to a big bowl game because they're not going to go to a big bowl game. They're 3-4. and four. They got Syracuse this week. They got Clemson next week. Who knows what their record's going to be when they come to L.A. And they got Navy and Boston College. They'll probably win those two games. So you could have a great season. If you win the rest of your games, hey, that's a hell of a season. You're 11-1. and one. Who, can, who can sneeze on that? No one. And that's what I'd be preaching. And I'd be saying, don't worry about Utah and Oregon. They got to play each other, and a lot of things have to happen. And uh, Corvallis, that's a tough place to go, as you said, too. So uh, I'll tell you, right now, I'd be raring to go. I'd say the second half is what counts for our season. And let's get after it. And I think that it's going to be probably uh, difficult at times uh, because offense, I think they're going to lose a great receiver here if he doesn't play. I'd like to see him really get more continuity and rhythm in their offense. I think they lost a lot of that recently. It's been the magician show. It should be on the strip in Las Vegas, the way Caleb Williams has been playing and pulling things on. It's how Caleb goes is how the offense goes, okay? And I think they ought to take a little bit of the pressure off of him and get the running game going a little bit more and move him out of the pocket more and and let him uh, be a quarterback, not be a guy that has to do it all. So I think there's a lot of great people surrounding him. And on defense, what can I tell you? You got to swarm them. You got to play hard. They really play hard on defense. But they're eliminated, uh, limited a little bit on athletic ability, on the down guys and at linebacker. When the secondary is making, what, 16 tackles or 19 tackles and or 19 missed tackles and so on, hey, that's too many shots. That's too many. That's not playing good football. So you got to make some adjustments there. I won't tell you what my adjustments would be. I would tell you go after them, play on their side of the football, and let it roll, play some zone, play some man, mix it up drop, go after him, and if you had four guys that could rush the quarterback and you could drop seven, you'd be such a better defensive football team, but they can't do that. So by not being able to do that, it causes them to do a lot of things that uh, isn't good as far as the type of offenses that they're facing. Yeah. All right, Coach, well, good stuff there. Oh, their name's four and three, though, by the way. They are. They they got. They're four and three? Yeah, they beat UNLV uh, last week. So. Oh, that's right. They beat my school. They beat the UNLV. I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah they, they got, they got Clemson coming there. up, I think. Right? Clemson coming up. So, <laughs> yeah, they're, they they're, got, they're probably around a 500 Clemson, team. Yeah. 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 Well, they got a challenge there. They're two pretty good football teams. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and we'll answer some questions. We've got some from the previous week. So, we'll get to all those questions right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. First question, we'll go to a voicemail for you, Coach. Hey, Ryan, during this off week, I have a question for you and your whole staff. I think that's the wrong one. Sorry, let me... uh, That was actually... So, um, Curtis... Uh, from Marino Valley uh, called in and wanted to know about being fans of the football team uh, that we cover. And so there was a lot of talk about this and, you know, us being in the media, uh, you know, you can't be a fan. We can't, when you go to the press box, they're very clear, you know, there's no cheering in the press box, uh, all of that. It's, I get it. Some people want you to be a big fan. I started the website because I was a big fan of USC football. But then once it becomes your business and, you know, once that happens, it's change. it changes. I guess it changes a lot of, of how you go about, you know, take care of your business. And, you know, I'm not wearing USC gear around and I'm not going to a high school game and telling recruits they should go to USC. Like all those things are violations. You can't do all that kind of stuff. So I, but it, it kind of triggers some people coach. Cause they get upset. We're like, what are you talking about? You can't be a, you know, you're not a fan. And um, yeah, I mean, I enjoy w- watching when USC wins and that's, that's great. But like, this is now, you know, fan is short for fanatical. Like this is now you know my work. This is my business. I'm going to go about it in a professional way. So it just seems to trigger some people coach when the people talk about this, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. Well, you know, it's natural. When you're a fan and so on, you follow your team, you want to hear good things and positive things about the players and teams and university and so on. I I don't blame them at all. I understand that. But if you want this straight scoop and you want to find out how it really is, then you should be uh, listening to the uh, recruiting tips that are given out on uscfootball.com, the questions you ask us. uh, It's just our opinion of what we see. You have your opinion of what you see, but I'm not a fan. Of course, I, I'd like to see our local teams win 100%. I didn't go to USC, but yet I, I do have their colors. I do have their sweatshirts. Yes, I do have their hats. That doesn't mean I'm going to live and die. I'm going to tell you the truth. I did their pregame show. I did their postgame show. I did the Trojan brunch. I did all those other shows, and I'm still doing Trojan shows. But I think why they're so, in my case, sometimes positive People like to hear the truth of, Coach, what's really happening? Tell me what's really happening. When a coach goes out there and bends over and he sees his quarterback with a knee blown out, how many people can give you that type of answer? How many people can tell you the truth? Or when a player gets tossed out of the game for targeting, I mean, he didn't try to target that guy. Now, if he tried to hurt the guy, then I'd be upset too and probably pull him out of the game. But you don't know the feeling unless you've been there. And that's what we try to give you. That's what I try to give you. As far as what's the real feeling of playing without Eric Gentry? Or what's the real playing and what you tell what you tell your players in the locker room, you tell them in the game, before the game. And I think that whatever I do at Ryan, 
is that type of podcast. And I hope you enjoy hearing the truth. If you don't, it's just our opinion. And I know Ryan under, Ryan understands. When you're media, if you read the paper, if you read anything, magazines that went over, whatever, you're going to hear the truth or they're going to describe to you what they see and what's happening. Now, in some cases, you see the same thing, and in some cases, you don't see the same thing. But at least they're giving you their opinion. And I think that's very valuable because they're around it continuously. They're at practice. They're at games. They're, they travel. And this is what you what you get out of uscfootball.com. So, you know, they're not fans, but they try to report to the fans on exactly what they see from their side of it. And I think that's what you really want to know. You're a fan. You've got your point. Uh, you've got your opinion, and you cheer and and everything else. And I think maybe at times when I'm at home, I cheer for certain teams. You don't see me doing it. But in a press box, I don't care what game you go to, no one cheers, okay? If you cheer, you're gone. You're there to report and do nothing else. Yeah. Well said, Coach. Uh, this is the voicemail I meant to play. My apologies. This is Lee from the Bay Area. I have two quick, co- two quick questions for Coach Harvey High. One, Coach, how you ever in the game told a coordinator, defensive or offensive, to get better at their job. And two, have you ever made inputs during the game to one of your um, coordinators, or do you just let them do their job or do what they do best? All right, hope that makes sense. Thank you very much. Go Trojans. Thank you, uh, Ryan. Give me an update. It was a little bit too hot for me to get the complete questions. I want to make sure I answer them correctly. Yeah, coach. So he was, I think it was essentially he was talking about, did Link, should Lincoln Riley have said something to Alex Grinch? Because he was saying, have you ever told an offensive or defensive coordinator how to do their jobs uh, or to get better at doing their jobs? And then, uh, or, you know, had them change something they were doing during a game? Like, so what sort of as a head coach, do you ever pull a coordinator aside and, and say something to him about what, what the game plan is or anything like that? Absolutely. I'm telling you, as a head football coach, I know enough about the defenses because I, I I game plan against the defenses and I know exactly what we do to try to hurt the defense. And if offenses are hurting our defense, I, I'm going to tell our defensive coordinator, get out of that, quit doing that. Or when I uh, when I'm watching a game and you can't stop him in a base, I'm going to say, quit playing base, get after him. We got to gamble. We can't stop him. Get him in a first or second and ten or third gamble. It's worth the gamble. We can't stop them anywhere, and they're just holding the football, and they're taking the clock off, time off the clock. We got to do something different. So, absolutely, I would do that a lot of times, or I'd tell them on a goal line situation what to do, or if I was a head coach and not calling the plays, I would tell my offensive coordinator, wherever we are on the field, you got two plays, or we're going to kick a field goal, or you got all four of them. You got all four plays, just score. We don't want a field goal, we want a touchdown. So the guy knows in advance when his play calling exactly what he has to work with. And I think it's important that uh, coaches on the offensive side and the defensive side know exactly how the head coach uh, is feeling at this moment so that they can make adjustments and that they don't feel the pressure of, oh, my gosh, I don't know what he wanted. And then all of a sudden the head coach says, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Well, be on top of it. Tell him not to do it or stop the play or tell him 
don't throw the football, run to the outside or run a tear or do this or do that rather than stand in the pocket or go into center and quarterback sneak or whatever. You can call a play. That gives you the right as a head football coach to give suggestions. And the same thing on the defensive side. You can call off and do different things. So you can say, this kid isn't playing with a damn. Get him out of the game and get another kid in there. I watch him. I don't know if you're watching him, but who the hell's coaching that kid? <laughs> get him out. And all of a sudden, that puts a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, adrenaline in that coaching staff on the defensive side too. But they know you're not really happy with the way the defense is playing, and you got to let the kids know as well as the coaches. Yeah, no, it makes sense, Coach. Uh, and thanks uh, for the question there. We got SoCal Dude eighty one who sent an email in. He says, "Hey Ryan and Coach." I know our defense is missing some talent, especially on the line because of Clay Hilton's lousy recruiting towards the end of his tenure. I realize that this puts us at a disadvantage against teams. and There's only so much that the coaching staff can do. That said, it also seems like the defensive schemes and play calling very shaky and not fundamentally sound. Every, every game teams have gashed us for big gains on the ground in the Utah game. There's absolutely no adjustment in the passing game, even though everybody knew that Kincaid was getting the ball. How can we allow him to get 16 catches for 234 yards? I think back to Car- Coach Carroll's defenses. Even at the beginning of his tenure when the cupboards were bare, we were always fundamentally sound and very rarely give up big plays. Coach, can you please let me know your thoughts and what you do differently? Thanks so much and fight on. SoCal Dude 81. Well, Utah caused a, a lot of problems because they, they had a lot of tight ends that played in the game, and they, in the secondary at USC is not used to playing against tight ends uh, and the play-action pass and so on. And and uh, Kincaid's a, a big target, a big target, a big good-looking look, good athlete, and plays really well. And they just he made some great catches, and he threw the ball, and uh, and he knew he read the secondary perfect. If you remember the, the the reads he did on the secondary, go out, fake, come back to the football, fake to the outside, come back across the middle of the field. I mean, he's a great season, great player. Like Myers, tight end from uh, Notre Dame, another great player. I've always loved. I've always said that you got to have a great tight end. Of course, you got to have a great quarterback. You got to have a great running back. Got to have a great left tackle, and then you got to have two corners. Okay, that's where you start to have a great offensive football team, and when you ha- and a defensive football team. Once you have that, then you fill in at the other. Then you go to rush. You got to have edge guys that can rush the quarterback, come across and play on their line of scrimmage, and you build it. And tight ends are something you've er- always heard me talk about. Follow a couple of weeks ago, caught two touchdown passes. Well, how did he do that? Because they utilized him. They put him out there. They threw him the football. They brought him across the middle. They ran him on out. They ran him in the flat. And, and they were able to mix it up a little bit. And uh, and I think you've got to do these things. Tight ends are great receivers. And when you have big ones that are big targets, they're easy to throw to. And they're mismatches for the secondary. Guy can be, And the guy gets too close to him. What is it? Pass interference. Pass interference. And the poor guy's trying to climb up his back to get to his hands to catch the football. So look what it does to a defensive back trying to cover a tight end like that. It's very, very difficult. And unless you utilize those people, I'll tell you what, uh, you, you're, you're not using your total offense. So I'm big at using the tight ends, either in tight slots or H-back situations or coming off the end, blocking, 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 and then coming off when the secondary guy forgets him. These are all part of the things that make it really hard to play defense. And 
when you have a tight end like that with the fade routes and the different things they throw to a tight end. It, it, it's tough, especially in the slot, too. Put him right, right down the seam, then stop him. When they go down the seam, stop him, bring him back. He's a guy you go to for first downs. He's, he's just a... Uh, he's just, uh, uh, a great part of the offense. So, and USC really hadn't utilized their tight ends except for following that one game when he got two touchdowns. Yeah, they're you know we've seen some flashes of tight ends, but you know Follow was used obviously nowhere near what you know Kincaid how Kincaid was used in that one. But um, we got another question. Uh, this one is from Mark. He says, "When a quarterback like Utah's, he's talking about Cam Rising, is beating you on just about every play." How do you stop somebody like that? I looked back at USC's linebackers and they did not stop a thing. Are the linebackers the problem or lack thereof? All in all, they're doing a better job than I thought they would this year. Uh, still a long way to go from Mark. Well, obviously, you don't stop them. And they didn't stop them. And uh, the reason why for that is they have a, a complete offense. I mean, they run the football. They play action pass on the football. They throw to their tight ends. Their quarterback is a great athlete and a tough kid. They're not afraid to run him. They run their quarterback off the, off of play action pass. They run the backs in the middle. They keep the ball. He he ran. Uh, I think he scored a couple times on. I'm not even sure how many on keeps. And he dives in there. He's a tough kid. He's a winner. He's a big tough kid, and he's not afraid to run the football. You don't see him slide much. I mean, he's got good speed. He throws the ball well. Uh, they have an offense. If, when you watch Utah play, if you do this, we're going to do that. If you do that, we're going to do this. They're balanced all the way across. They're not helter-skelter. It's not a 31-flavor type of offense. If you're, not, if you're covering this, uh, double-covering the receivers, if you're playing cover two, we'll go to tight end. The tight end or back in the middle of the field or send our back down the sideline, and we're going to hit him. But your linebacker can't, can't cover our back. So they they look and they have rhythm and schemes that look at your defense, look at your coverages, and if you're doing this, we're going to do that. And they make the adjustments that are necessary to do those things. And it's very difficult to stop that because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't when you're a defensive football player because everything looks like the same to you when it gets started. So uh, it's a tough team to stop, uh, you know, uh, and and I think they're a great football. They scored 41. They scored 45 points on Ohio State in the Rose Bowl game. What was it, 48-45 or something like that? So, and Ryzen didn't even play the last part of the game, but they'd probably beaten Ohio State. So they're a season. They believe in their philosophy. They're a good coaching staff. They don't change. They run the same offense, the same defense, and, they, and they're real good at it. Yeah. Uh, we got a few more. I'll let you go. Um, we got a text message. I didn't sign it, but he says, just found your podcast and I enjoy it. I'm an SC alum and I've been a fan since I was a young kid. I can see that USC is on a great trajectory with Lincoln Riley and without Clay Helton. He says, praise the Lord. Uh, but caution uh, expectations given USC does not have a quality win to this point. The Pac-12, I would argue that winning on the road at Oregon State is a quality win for sure. But uh, the Pac-12 plus Rice and Fresno State it's very weak. He says, you know, he gave an example of Oregon versus Georgia. Um, he says, we really won't know until USC plays a legit team, in my opinion. Utah was pretty good, but they had two losses already. 
And he says, um, P.S. I can't believe Riley wouldn't take timeouts around the defense on the last drive. That's 100% no brainer. It makes me wonder how he processes information. Only worst decision by USC coach was leaving Reggie Bush, the Heisman winner, on the bench in fourth and two in the 2006 Rose Bowl versus Texas. Wow. Kind of harsh. But uh, any, any thoughts on that text message, coach? Well, those are obvious things. I mean, how can we, uh, how can you uh, say it's not true? How can Reggie Bush be on the bench, your best player? How how can you be there uh, when that happens? How can you not stop Thomas in the tight end? He caught about ten balls in that game. How can you not contain Vince Young? Uh, in a, yeah, in that ball game, the quarterback. How do you, how does that happen? You know, uh, how do you call a timeout at the end of the game or in the, after that? score whatever it was they wasted a timeout when they could have maybe gotten field goal position in that game all these ifs 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 but 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 these things these happen and again on the two-point conversion if that's what he's referring to he should have called timeout find out exactly what are they doing they going for it they're going to kick a uh, kick an extra point or whatever and they just ran out and rising ran it in they didn't even adjust that if you look at the film there was no adjustment to that at all. There was a natural seam there. All he had to do was just run through there. They never even, they weren't even sure what to do on that play. It's just like when uh, Nick Saban made the comment after the Tennessee game. He said, "Yeah, my defense didn't even know how to line up against an I formation. They just looked at each other. They didn't know." Now, what is he telling the coach on that? I'll tell you, they'll know how to line up in an I formation next week. So, you know, there's there's a, a lot of times that with the panic of things that are going on, you don't have the right communication on the sideline, but you are responsible as a head football coach. When you're doing so much sometimes, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, and a head football coach, sometimes you're doing a little bit too much and you rely a little bit too much on the defense and maybe – the defensive coordinator was afraid to call a timeout, thinking that Coach Riley wanted that time as far as for the offense. But you've got to be able as a head coach to know the down-distance situation and run out there and you see if they're not aligned right or whatever and call timeout, timeout, timeout. It, it, this tape, this play is going to win or lose the game for us. So I'm not saying that he should have or he would have, but that's possibly what he should have done, just like in the Rose Bowl game. Uh, is when Reggie Bush is standing on the sideline, your best player, and their safety, I forget his name, it was Thomas or forget what it was, comes up right on the line of scrimmage and just plugs the hole and smacks the running back right there, Lindell White or whoever it was, and didn't make the first down at the end of the game. That, yeah. That's exactly what happened because he's on the sideline. He would have had him back man-to-man or deep. He says, when you're not in there, that they, they, puts two guys on Lindell, and that's what happened. But that's not what lost the game. What lost the game is when they ran the Hancock into the flat. It was third down and two, okay? And they ran him into the flat. It was two second down and two, whatever, and it was an incomplete pass. He threw the ball over his head, stopped the clock, made, took it, used it down, then, then, then they had to go for it, and he didn't make it. That's what lost the game, that play. I agree. And I think he was talking about um, that they didn't call timeouts when Utah was about to score to to preserve the clock. I think, yeah, Lincoln Riley addressed oh, that. Oh, you mean before? I, I thought he should bet uh, with the two-point conversion. Yeah, no, just, I mean, Lincoln Riley addressed it. He said it was like a 50-50, you know, it could have gone either way. But he put his faith in a defense that they would get a stop. 
and that didn't happen. And so, yeah, but I was on the field at the time, coach, and I felt the same thing. I'm like, yeah, you need to be calling okay. timeouts, and USC didn't. So, yeah, uh, okay. Well, I just, I miss. Uh, no, no, that's I mean, interpreted. But no sorry. worries. We got uh, one from Pongo Mom and says, "Question for the coach: How much uh, do you do questionable officiating calls like what we saw in the Utah game affect how the defense plays from then on?" And, he, and uh, says, "Thanks for." All different ways you cover USC football and baseball and basketball. Thanks, Pongo Mom. But yeah, I think the, yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. I tell you what, I talked about the officiating on my shows that night after the game and so on. It's ridiculous when officials determine a football game. I mean, uh, some of the plays of the roughing the passer and and all of that that have made a big difference in that play. That's a 14 point turnaround. I mean, that, I think they would have won the game if they had not called that penalty. I really do. That was ridiculous because of the momentum they had. It would have, yes, he got the momentum back. And it's all momentum at that time. And then all the other calls that they make during that game, I mean, really ridiculous. I forget how many penalties they had, but it was, it was ridiculous, that game. I mean, the officials take it. They're not consistent. One time they're, they're calling it. The next time they're not calling it. This uh, targeting, they're calling it. Then they're not calling it. I mean, it, it's really now where I think it's, you know, like Troy Aikman said, I think there's a little bit too much officiating going on and not enough football being played. Not that we want players injured, but you've got to be consistent on knowing the difference of a player playing hard and not being able to pull up and maybe shoving a guy down than knocking a guy down. And I don't know if these guys really understand the difference of that when they throw that flag. Yeah. All right, one last one. Tamale Tom. Hey, Peristyle Posse. Do you think Lincoln Riley's immediate success using the transfer portal has warped expectations from what future first-year coaches should be? And also, who do you think this offense will miss the most next year? Uh, Die or Addison? Thanks for everything. A former Lions Center student employee, Tamale Tom. I was a student employee there too, Tamale Tom. Um, but yeah, expectations for first-year coaches, and then who's the biggest impact loss, uh, Die or Addison, coach? I would say Die. I think he's the most qualified back to both guys. They got a lot of receivers. Okay, I think uh, Jordan Addison's a great player. Okay, I really do. Don't get me wrong, but. Got a lot of receivers. In fact, I think you have too many receivers. And by taking too many receivers, the way Clay Helton stocked up and so on, well, they're starting for other teams all over the country and everything. And and uh, you wasted uh, scholarships for other positions, defensive linemen, if you could have gotten offensive linemen. And uh, I think uh, Travis dies. You don't utilize him enough. I think he's a solid back, and you can use him. He's a leader out there. He's a coach, man. He's a man. And uh, not that the others can't play, but they don't play in his ability. He'll carry the ball. He did one time, 28 times or whatever. I'd make him carry it all the time. He didn't want to come out of the game. Believe me, he didn't want to come out of the game. He stayed and went to USC to play football, not to watch football, okay? And I think he brings something to you when he's on the field. He brings a leadership type of thing, which brings your offense a lot more confidence. He can adjust, and I think he can relate to the – coaches when he comes off the field and to everybody and uh, uh i think he would he would be that would be the one that if i had to decide who i wanted back 
that would be the one I'd get asked for. And I think that's the one that they ought to utilize more now to make all the other players better. All right, Coach. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Bye week. Getting ready. Head on the road. Take on the Arizona Wildcats in Tucson. Get back on the field. It feels like it's been we've had had football for a while. So get back into the swing of things. Final push towards the end of the season and what USC is hoping for in a Pac-12 championship. But uh, great stuff as always, Coach. Always good to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And again, thank you. And for all of you out there, thank you very much for being a part of our show because without you, you know, we, we don't have a show. And for all of you out there that agree with us, we say okay. And the ones that don't agree, we say okay too. So there's many different uh, opinions that we all have. That's what make a, a football a great game. Yeah. So again, buckle up, everybody. And again, Ryan, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, thank you, Coach. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.